Come gather round the campfire and hear our ghostly tales of chilling terrors, darkest woes, and anything that goes bump in the night. So cuddle up with your best friend or dare it alone. The darkness is closing in and spirits are calling your name. This is Fireside Phantoms. The leaves are changing color outside. It's been stormy out. It's been windy the other day. I went for a walk with my friend and it was all stormy and windy, but not cold. I know. Like hurricane weather, which is really weird because we don't live in a hurricane area. Right. So, but yeah, it was kind of interesting and just kind of gloomy and dark out. Um, You know, like there's a a horrible thing on the horizon about ready to... (laughs) (laughs) embark on the city of portland (laughs) i love it because i love feeling like i'm cuddled in in my blanket Mm -hmm. and i'm looking out the window and seeing the leaves falling you're warm and safe there's a crackling fire i don't i don't have a fire lit oh shoot it's not that cold (laughs) i'm just imagining your fantasy oh oh yeah my my fantasy is a pumpkin spice latte yes um a blankie Yes. And then my dogs cuddled up with me. Watching a horror movie on the TV? Oh, yes. That would be <laughs> delightful. Which horror movie? Oh, Halloween Town Halloween for Town. sure. <laughs> I'm just so joking. scary. I'm just <laughs> I can't have anything too scary. You know, the dogs. I have to think about You're the dogs. right. Because you don't want them to get scared and have nightmares. That's right. Because they might. <laughs> but anyway. Have you, no, ever, have I, you ever seen Trick or Treat? No, it's not. Mm, that's a good one. It's um, a Halloween movie, and it's uh, scary. It's not like a little kid's movie. There's people that die in it. <laughs> oh, it's like Candyman. Do you remember Candyman? I do remember Candyman. Yeah. Was that during Halloween? I don't know, but I, I'm sure I watched it during Halloween. My favorite horror movie is actually Halloween. I know. How, Halloween You proper. love Halloween. I do. I love it. It's such a good movie. I'm trying to think. My, I mean, The Exorcist really was a big one for it me. It really did scare you. Speaking of movies and Halloween and this time of year. Hocus Pocus. Hocus Pocus. What do you think is the scariest monster at Halloween time? You know, the scariest monster? What's one of the bigger scary monsters of halloween what do you think well i think probably dracula dracula that's a smart decision oh really probably because you know that my did i peg it (laughs) it's not dracula (laughs) i just i I just fed that right to you yeah i was i I was like casting my line out to you the fish and hoping that i could hook you in and you totally bit it because you knew exactly what i was gonna say i know (laughs) it's great how it works like that i like that too but yeah no i i think dracula is scary because Mm -hmm. it's based on a real legend as we will find out it's based on a lot of different things dracula and he is one of the people it is based but there's actually a lot of other well i kind of was had some fun with this story because it ties into a lot of our other shows one crazy bat ah 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 two crazy bats Ah, (laughs) ah, 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 ah. so dracula 
or Count Dracula, as his friends call him, was a vampire who lived in a grand castle in the Carpathian Mountains of Transylvania, yes. right along the border of Moldavia and Bukovina. I don't know oh. if I'm saying that correctly, but it's in like Bukovina. Romania, yeah, Romania territory. Um, in 1897, Dracula decided to move out of his Transylvanian home and boarded a ship set for northeastern England bringing with him 50 or so boxes of Transylvanian soil. That is weird. Isn't it? <laughs> it, is a little, it is a little weird. He's doing a home transplant. Kind of, yeah. As it turned out, Dracula needed these boxes of soil from his homeland to sleep in as it replenished his strength. Of course, upon his arrival in England, Count Dracula was immediately up to no good. He pursued a beautiful girl named Lucy, who apparently was a total royal babe because she had like three guys propose to her at one time. <laughs> yeah, Go Lucy. She, she was pretty hot, apparently. But after Dracula's arrival and to her other suitor's dismay, poor Lucy became very sick and started to waste away. Well, did she sleep in his soil? Um, not in the beginning. <clears throat> I don't think. She Just in the bed stain. <laughs> she um, appeared gaunt. She was exhausted and completely listless. Kind of how I feel every day after I get home from work. <laughs> Ditto. One of her suitors asked his good friend, Abraham Van Helsing, to come over to see Lucy. Yes, Van Helsing. Van Helsing. Professor Van Helsing observed Lucy and immediately figured out what was going wrong with her. She had two puncture wounds on her neck, which, of course, can only mean one thing. Lucy was being slowly sucked to death by a vampire. Oh, wow. Yes. Poor Lucy. Uh, ben Helsing and Lucy's other male admirers immediately started hunting Dracula to try to stop his feeding frenzy upon her. Uh, it's kind of like a modern day relationship when your friend is dating an energy vampire. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, come on, just break up with him. He's always making you feel so low. And she's like, no, but I love him. Did you see the hickey he gave me? Yeah. And I mean, they would have to be like, and who did you sleep with yesterday? And who did you sleep with the day before? We're really trying to do some contact tracing. here. Right. It's like a COVID situation. Yeah. You don't understand. Your yeah. energy is low. And your eye, You're listless. You're all exhausted. your partners to your, come forward. Your blood is drained, <laughs> and it's time for us to find out who's been sucking on you. <laughs> oh, but alas, Van Helsing and his team were too late. Lucy passed away. Poor Lucy. They lost Lucy. Poor Lucy. But to be sure that their dearly departed Lucy did not turn into a bloodsucker herself, Van Helsing placed a golden crucifix over her mouth. However, before she could be buried, one of the house servants stole the crucifix off of Lucy's body, leaving Lucy vulnerable to the end of clutches of vampirism. Well, yeah, it's a gold cross, Holly. I mean, I, they, you're, you're acting you know. like I took the cross off. No, I mean, it's, <laughs> I could have seen that coming. Yeah, I mean, obviously, no one decided to pull the servant aside and say, look, um, whatever we put on our body, it really needs to stay in place. Because... Yeah. There's something going on here that you're not fully aware of all the information. Mm -hmm. So just don't fuck with the body, please. Just leave the crucifixes where they are. Still some silverware. Yeah. But leave the body here's alone. A, here's a piece of silver. I know it's not gold, but it, it'll do you over until something better comes along. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, so Lucy, of course, became a vampire and began hunting little children at night. Oh, God. Which is one of the things I like about her. Oh, of course- Lord. <laughs> We're going to cut that. Josh, take that out. <laughs> I don't need any hate mail. <laughs> this, of course, forced all of Lucy's boyfriends to hunt her down, stuff garlic into her mouth, behead, and stake her. Wow, that wasn't... <laughs> was a definite turn of affection. Yeah, I'm not sure in what order that happened in, but um, that's what they had to do to their beloved Lucy. So apparently, you know, guys are fickle bitches too. Let's face it. Tough love. Yeah. Tough love. After Lucy was disposed of, Dracula was pissed. After all, it took him some real time investment and careful planning to get Lucy into quote unquote vampire bed with him. (laughs) (laughs) He also learned that the Van Helsing gang was coming for him, so he decided to turn his sights on Lucy's good friend, Mina. Oh, Mina. That's right. Yeah. Mina had just married, and both her and her new husband joined Van Helsing's team to help bring the vampire down. Dracula waited until Mina was alone, then attacked her and forced her to drink his own blood. Forcing Mina to drink his blood put her under Dracula's mind control. She was not a full vampire, but acted as a sort of psychic link between the Van Helsing team and Dracula himself. Van Helsing prayed over her and used holy Christian rituals to help Mina, but all it did was burn her and caused her to go into a trance-like state, yeah, where she could see what Dracula was up to. Thanks Hmm. to Mina's psychic eavesdropping, the Van Helsing team knew where Dracula was going, back home to Transylvania. So there you go. They raced back to Transylvania to head him off. As the group descended upon his castle, Dracula, who was being carried to his home inside his last box of Transylvanian soil by a group of helpful gypsies, encountered the group, and sheer chaos ensued. I wonder how he became friends with gypsies. There's a whole backstory. Apparently, the gypsies and Slavic people knew who Dracula was and what he was capable of, and they helped protect him. I don't know if cool. he had if he had brokered a deal with them or mm-hmm. what, but they were always helping him out. So, yeah. Interesting. So if you want to know how the story ends, then I suggest you read the novel Dracula by Irish author Bram Stoker. Because <laughs> you know that's where I was headed with this. That's right. That entire story was written by Bram back in the day, and it is really where the character of Dracula got launched, was through his writings. So we're going to explore a little bit about what Bram was influenced by to write the story kind of how it came about and the um, archetype he launched into our human consciousness as a result. Excellent. Bram Stoker created the character of Dracula after several years of careful vampire research. He (laughs) borrowed ideas from Emily Gerard's 1885 essay, Transylvania Superstitions. He referenced other literary greats such as Sabine Berengold, Book of Werewolves. Apparently the vampire werewolf thing is very intertwined as well. He also referenced Charles Bonner's Transylvania, and he even perhaps used some newspaper clippings found amongst his research on the infamous Mercy Brown incident of Exeter, Rhode Island, as we have already mentioned on this podcast. Wow. Yeah. Kind of cool, huh? That is very cool. How, like, similarities yeah there are well the vampire theme was already kind of becoming a thing in the consciousness of people right obviously they thought their dead relatives were coming back from the dead and 
sucking their blood in. <laughs> <laughs> well, from what they used to do to their relatives. Yeah, exactly. As you can't e- blame them. As evidenced by Mercy Brown's story. Yes, so. yes. Um, Stoker even claimed that he was inspired to write the story after he had a nightmare about a vampire king rising from his grave. Mm. Where else have we heard about vampire kings, Carol? (laughs) I actually, after, yeah, after reading this whole Bram Stoker story, I was thinking that from the Highgate vampire, Shaw Manchester probably just took the Bram Stoker story as truth. Yeah, he it probably influenced him so much. He was mm-hmm. like, this, I found the actual living proof yeah. of the vampire yeah. from that story. Yeah, he probably believed it was actually Dr- Dracula who was asleep in Highgate because England is where the Dracula was headed. And he was sleeping in cemeteries and boxes. And wow. he was, you know, he's very much described the way the vampire in Highgate Cemetery was described. So it was a logical conclusion was, yeah. he'd be there. Yeah. So that's why he was like, oh, it's clearly Dracula out there. Of course. Yeah. So I thought it was kind of fun. It is also suggested that Bram Stoker was influenced by the story of Hungarian Countess Elizabeth Bathory. Yes. And how her murdering of hundreds of women resulted in her youthful appearance after she bathed in their blood, creating her vampirist reputation. And we talked about that and extensively. And we talked about her too. Isn't it funny? I'm the one that's talked about all these stories and now I'm doing Dracula. Yeah. <laughs> It's obviously I've got a theme for vampires now, too, (laughs) not just witches. Elizabeth Bathory also lived in the Carpathian Mountains, which I did not know. It's the same place that Stoker places Dracula's castle. Interesting. Yeah, it's kind of cool. However, as I'm sure he was influenced by many sources of history and literature, there is a great deal of evidence that Stoker loosely based the character of Count Dracula on Wallachia Vlad III Dracula. Yes, The name Dracula comes from the word Dracul, that means Order of the Dragon. However, in present-day Romanian, Dracul means the devil. Wallachia Vlad III Dracula, who was also known as Vlad the Impaler, was a ruler of Wallachia, Romania, during the 15th century. Vlad himself signed his letters as Dracula or Dracula. So he changes either the G for a K. So Dracula or Dracula. And what's the difference? The K is when he's ready to kill you. Probably. And the G is when he's like, Dracula for my gypsy friends. I think the Ga is more sexy. Like, I'm the Dracula. I'm the Dracula. But I'm going to take you out. Dracula. And then I'm going to Dracula. Yeah, I'm going to Dracula ya. <laughs> oh my god it's probably where it comes from yeah we're tired <laughs> we're very tired it's a thursday and we're just it's a thursday and we're so together. tired we both worked so hard today thanks you guys for sticking with us this whole time yeah thank we really you. appreciate you so vlad dracula was a ruthless leader and developed the nickname of vlad the impaler for the way he killed his enemies. Anyone he deemed a threat to his rule would meet their fate on his sharp wooden stakes, which must have been a lot since he is credited with killing 40 to 100,000 people during his time. I knew it was a lot. I didn't (laughs) know it was quite that many. Yeah, it's quite a few. According to lifescience.com, quote, Vlad invited hundreds of these boyers to a banquet, and knowing they would challenge his authority... Had his guests stabbed and their still twitching bodies impaled on the spikes. Oh, lovely End man. <laughs> yeah, he sounds like a real killer. <laughs> um, <yeah. laughs> He's great at parties, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, great at parties. Yeah, great at parties. Great host. <clears throat> yeah. From Wikipedia on Vlad the Impaler, quote, 
Vlad had a, this is a different, so this is interesting because he did kill people in different ways. Yeah. So this is another way he did. Quote, Vlad had a big copper cauldron built and put a lid made of wood with holes in it on top. He put the people in the cauldron and put their heads in the holes and fastened them there. No, he did not. Yes, he did. Then he filled it with water and set a fire underneath it and let the people cry their eyes out until they were boiled to death. No, that is awful. No wonder we have not heard that. He's a fucking psycho. That is awful. And to my point, Vlad was described as a demented psychopath, a sadist, a gruesome murderer, and a masochist by those who knew him. However, even though it is clear that Vlad the Impaler was a monster, he was considered to be a hero to the people of Romania as he ruled with an ironclad fist and made their country stronger politically, maintained public order, and kept crime down with his vicious punishments. Oh. <laughs> so they so, liked him. Yeah, because like, yeah. nobody's going to invade them with no, him there. And... Not that. No. He's way too crazy. And he loves the land. It is believed that the gestures mannerisms and look of dracula described in the book were based off of an actor named henry irving who by the way was the first ever actor to be knighted by the queen of england oh there you go interesting he and stoker worked together at a theater in england it is said in fact that stoker idolized irving and chose to be in his company over the company of his own family perhaps stoker had a crush or a romance or just a bromance with irving who's to say Irving himself from Wikipedia, quote, was a self-absorbed and profoundly manipulative man. Oh, wow. (laughs) He enjoyed cultivating rivalries between his followers and to remain in his circle required constant, careful courting of his notoriously fickle affections, end quote. So, yeah, he was a bit of a diva, it sounds like. (laughs) Yeah. I think he was supposed to be an incredibly talented actor. So I think a lot of people were very attracted to his talent and his skill. But because um, he was kind of so followed and revered, I think it probably just made him go, oh, I've got this special talent. And with special talent comes special power. And I'm just going to make these people like play these people off of each other and make them feel like they need me and all of these things. Like he just sounded like he was a little bit of a narcissist. So Stoker wanted Irving to play Dracula in a stage production. But alas, his production would never come to pass. Irving was not interested, nor did he care for the character of Dracula at all. <laughs> He's like, and that is nothing like me at <laughs> yeah, all. Yeah. I don't want to be a part of your little play, but thanks a lot, Bram. Bye-bye. Um, he turned Stoker down flat. But I have to wonder if he had been able to see how famous Dracula was to become if he would have changed his mind. Right. Because nobody at that time knew. Isn't yeah. it Bella... Mm. Bella Lugosi. Bella Lugosi. Bella Lugosi. Bella Lugosi. Bella Lugosi. Mm-hmm. That was a great role. Yeah. So good. So good. And I'll talk about him too here in a little bit. Oh, great. Yeah. As for Dracula's other traits, he was described to be as strong as 20 men, elusive and difficult to attack. He had no reflection in mirrors and cast no shadow. He could hypnotize his victims after biting them and use telepathy and illusion to control them. Hmm. He could vanish into thin air or shapeshift into a bat, wolf, or mist. He could command smaller animals to do his bidding like rats, owls, foxes, and wolves. He could manipulate the weather. He could pass through cracks and crevices in human form or as a vapor, which is how he was able to slip in and out of his coffin. He can turn others into vampires by biting them, and he did not die from the passage of time. He would just simply live forever, left to his own devices. 
It is believed that Dracula must be staked through the heart with a wooden stake in order to kill him, though in the Bram Stoker novel, spoiler alert for those of you who don't want to know the end, stop listening for a few seconds. <laughs> uh, Dracula dies when two of the vampire hunters stab him, one through the throat with a kukuri knife and another through the heart with a bowie knife. So what was it through the heart? The what you say? Kukuri. I'm, I'm not sure entirely if I'm saying it correctly. It's K-U-K-R-I. Kukuri. Kukuri mm. knife. Well, it's not a Cutco knife. We know that. <laughs> K-U-K-R-I. K-U-K-R-I. Kukuri? Kukuri? I don't know. Kukuri. Kukuri? Kukuri knife. A sacred bullet fired into his coffin is also said to be an effective way to kill him. Dracula did not have the same powers in the day as he did at night. He could shapeshift only at dawn, noon, and dusk, but at night he could shift at any time. He's a very complicated soul. There's a lot of layers. There's very a lot much. of different powers and layers and certain rules that Dracula had to kind of abide by. Dracula hmm. also had trouble crossing over running water and had to be carried, typically in a coffin, from a boat to land by other people. Lame. That's where the gypsies come in. <laughs> he could not even fly over water in the form of a bat. He could not enter a home unless invited by somebody already inside. Yeah, knew that one. Yeah. Dracula hated garlic, crucifixes, and sacramental bread. A wild rose branch upon his coffin made it impossible for him to leave his coffin. In Bram Stoker's Dracula, the sunlight actually did not burn him but instead, his supernatural abilities did not work as well or at all in daylight. It wasn't until the 1922 film Nosferatu, a German adaption of Dracula, that death by sunlight for a vampire became part of the folklore. Ah, that's interesting mm -hmm. because I thought it started with the novel. That's yeah. a thing I don't remember reading. Yeah. So he could actually, in the story of Bram Stoker, he could actually be outside in the daylight. Okay. And, talk to people and everything his just his powers were, were weakened a lot when he was out in the daylight but Nosferatu literally could not be out in the sunshine yeah so yeah there you go. well he had such pale skin yeah. too <laughs> he is a great I vampire know. he's, he's so, so good uh, got those long fingers and mm -hmm. those pointy ears and the super teeth. creepy face yeah, oh my god he's great so, Dracula's lifestyle really centered around his heavy addiction to human blood. He only needed human blood to survive and nothing else. He loved blood to the point of obsession and could not control himself around it. Blood also kept him youthful and strong. Dracula preferred to attack women, which is probably where Dracula's romantic attribution comes from. Mm. After biting these women, they would fall under a hypnotized-like state under his control, which I suppose could be seen as the same state you fall into when you are in love with another person. Mm -hmm. Because Dracula was a king vampire, he could control other vampires. Another big mention about Dracula was his need to sleep. I mentioned in the beginning that he had several boxes of Transylvanian soil sent over to England and placed in various parts of town so that he could rest and replenish from his native soil. In the folklore, Dracula, or vampires in general, would sleep very hard with their eyes open. They did not move, nor were they aware of others. They did not move, nor were they aware of others around them. He needed to be near or on his native soil so he could fully rest, which is why he slept in the boxes or coffins packed with this dirt. If he didn't do this, he did not replenish his strength. If Dracula overate, so to speak, he would sleep even longer to counter the exhaustion of his feet. 
After the book came out, it was not a publishing sensation for Stoker. In fact, yeah, he died poor in April of 1912. And just like Edgar Allan Poe, Stoker was unable to enjoy the greatness of his literary genius. However, in 1922, F.W. Murnau released the film Nosferatu, a German adaption of Stoker's story. Nosferatu is an eerie black and white silent film starring actor Max Schreck as Nosferatu or the main character of Dracula for all intents and purposes. Though many elements of the story did change from Bram Stoker's Dracula, it did not stop Stoker's widow, Florence Belcom, from suing the shit out of the filmmakers (laughs) for making the movie without permission and violating the copyright. She insisted that all prints of the film be destroyed. Prana Film, the studio that made Nosferatu, declared bankruptcy in order to avoid the hefty lawsuit brought by Stoker's widow. All the prints of the film were burned except for one that had already been released into the world. After she passed away, that print was found and became the master print for subsequent copies. Thank goodness the movie survived, as Nosferatu is considered to be one of the greatest films ever made. I agree. And certainly one of the greatest films to come out of the silent film era. So Nosferatu was also made into a highly successful stage play and toured for years, eventually ending up in America, where the American film industry took notice. In 1931, Universal Studios released Dracula, starring Bela Lugosi as Dracula, taking a gamble that the idea of Dracula was a good one and would compel audiences to watch. They were not wrong. No. Universal's Dracula brought in $700,000 profit in 1931, which is only about $11 million in today's money, but it was a lot for that time. It was the largest profit Universal Studios had that year. And they probably don't Mm. spend as much on special effects and things like that. And the actors didn't get paid as much as they do now. As much as they do now. Bella Lugosi and the film received rave reviews from critics. Dracula's success triggered Universal to expand its movie monster category and release more films celebrating the horror genre, including Frankenstein, The Mummy, The Invisible Man, The Bride of Frankenstein, and The Wolfman. They also released more Dracula films, including Dracula's Daughter, Son of Dracula, and The House of Dracula. I haven't seen these films, so I don't know if Dracula, like, settled down and started a family. I mean, based (laughs) off of these titles, it kind of sounds that way. So, I don't know. I'm thinking, like, there's a Munsters or Adam's Family connection in here somehow. Yeah, I don't know. I'll have to, like... Now I want to go watch all those. I know. I know. It's kind of a weird, like, Dracula's got kids. That's not really, (laughs) that doesn't really make a lot of sense, but, you know. And, of course, between Count Dracula, Nosferatu, and all the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of other vampires out there, there really is one vampire I like the best. Count von Count. He is the vampire on Sesame Street that likes to count things. Yes. <laughs> One crazy bat. Right. Two crazy bats. Ah, 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 ah. As a child, he taught me how to count, something I'd like to point out that I still use to this very day. Count von Count grew up in a creepy castle in the Carpathian Mountains in Romania <laughs> and lives with his pet bats, Grisha, Misha, Sasha, and Tatiana. His favorite number is 34,969, which happens to be a perfect square. His character was inspired by Bela Lugosi's version of Dracula. Yes. <laughs> and that is Dracula. <laughs> 
so you've heard the term don't fear the reaper baby don't fear the reaper yeah it's uh you know that song always comes to mind from blue oyster cult were you in a, a blue oyster cult lover I think that's probably the only song by them yeah. that I know. <laughs> so, sure. It is one of their most popular songs. But I think it's fitting that Halloween season that we should talk about the most popular symbol of death, the Grim Reaper. Oh, my God. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, let's do that. Let's turn this story into a real positive experience. That's, yes. Yes. Now, many people immediately picture a dark, tall figure hooded in a black coat with skeleton bones and a hidden face carrying a scythe or in some cases an hourglass. It is said the Grim Reaper appears when a person is approaching death and represents the actual embodiment of that transition. But it's generally thought he has the scythe to cut away the souls and transfer them to the afterlife. I think the hourglass represents him showing you that your time is literally running out. Do you think he's a fan of Days of Our Lives? <laughs> yeah, he probably is. Because, you know, <laughs> he probably watches that soap and he's like, I need an hourglass. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. It's pretty cool. Most of the time, the grim is a frightening experience and not a comforting sight for those who say they have seen this figure. Hmm. It cannot be denied that this figure exists in many cultures with differences in articles of clothing, accessories... <laughs> he changes his accessories every now and then. Do you think he's got different like capes hanging in his closet? He must. Yeah. 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 I would. Something for different for every occasion. For different countries, you know. I'm going to wear the red cape over here and the blue cape over there. <laughs> I think the classic figure of the Grimm really took off with medieval artists painting death and stories circulating around the plague years. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Even sense. in ancient cultures, we also see their versions of death personified. The Bible, in Revelations, the story describes death riding on a pale horse with a black robe and sword. There are some great stories out there of people who say they've encountered actually what they think is the Grim Reaper really? and live to tell about it. Really? Like these are true stories. People actually think they've run people into People say they're true stories. Huh. Oh, so cool. most of these stories I'm retelling were posted on Reddit. Uh, poster Vault 34 said that when he was little, his mom used to breed Cocker Spaniels. And one of the mama spaniels had just had her babies, and he was allowed to have them in a basket on the floor of his bedroom to just watch over them at night. And they each had a hooded cape and a <laughs> Sith with them. Aren't they so cute? <laughs> he said in the middle of the night, the puppies woke up and were squealing and frantically crying. So he leaned over his bed to comfort them when he saw this hooded skeleton thing kneeling over the basket of puppies. No! Yeah, when he screamed at it, the cloaked skeleton skittered across the floor on all fours coming towards him. Ew. And he said that at that point, he ran to his mom's room and asked her why she didn't save him. Well, she said something like, well, because I didn't hear anything. <laughs> so he drew a sketch of what he saw for her and went back to bed. Later the next morning, his mom confessed to coming back into the room to check on the puppies and found three of them had died. <gasps> she quickly removed them from the basket before her son could find them. He said later when he was older, he saw an iconic picture of the Grim Reaper and he knew immediately that what he saw that night 
was a grim reaper. Wow. Of doggy souls, apparently. Yeah, apparently. So now, according to HarryPotterFandom.com, <laughs> the grim can also take the shape of a large, menacing, spectral black dog. It is considered one of the worst, if not the worst, omens to see. And if you remember, dear listeners, it was Professor Trelawney in a divination class who saw a grim in Harry's teacup. But what this kid saw was wearing a black hood. So unless the dog had an owner who dressed it up, I doubt it was from the wizarding world. <laughs> now, my next story was off of Ranker.com. And this grim was spotted at a military base. Okay. In 1990, a Marine who was stationed in North Carolina woke up to a being standing over him about six feet tall or seven feet tall. Yeah, okay. He was dressed in a black hooded cloak with a very skinny body. He said that when he tried to call out for help to his companions, the entity sent three electric shocks to his chest. Oh, wow. Which he theorizes was like to shut him up, to keep him quiet. But finally, another soldier heard him and turned on a light. But this gets even crazier. The hooded reaper jumped over him, disappearing into a wall and knocking him back down on the bed. And the Marine said he could feel his robes scraping over his face in the process. Oh, wow. That's pretty cool. Isn't that the coolest story? Uh, yeah. So what did he take from this situation like supernatural grim reapers do exist out there? Yeah. Wow. And obviously they have evolved with their accessories. (laughs) Now they have stun guns that they're using. Right. He didn't think it was like some kind of a enemy who had snuck in behind like, you know, enemy lines trying out his new like terminator i don't know invisibility shield through the wall (laughs) i I mean i would have thought that but when he disappeared into the wall i mean that maybe it was an alien maybe it was a hologram enemy maybe it was a hologram and they're testing it out on poor marines in the barracks while they're sleeping maybe they projected it down from one of our satellites maybe we could go on all night projecting (laughs) on what this figure is maybe he was astral it's the grim reaper holly it's the grim reaper maybe it was a grim reaper astral projecting his way into their base or maybe it was just a grim reaper maybe don't fear the reaper. It is a grim <laughs> reaper. So there are a lot of these stories, but very few mention seeing the scythe, you know, the big scythe. Right. So he probably doesn't carry that with him all the time. You know, it is kind of large. It doesn't fit in the overhead baggage area. <laughs> and I would think it would be really hard to blend in with a crowd with that kind of weapon or in the darkness with the shiny blade coming out. Is he using it just to look really menacing or is he like hurting some sheep, uh, like a flock of sheep? Like what? what is his purpose with that thing? Well, so according to the legend, the scythe, cuts away the cord your umbilical your so silver he, cord he just needs it to cut the soul out of the body yes okay. so that the soul is freed from the body and then he can transport the soul can he just use a pocket knife like can he just throw out a pocket supposedly knife? not i mean these cords are meant to last i mean come on holly like you know i'm just feeling like it should be an easier powder task. puff football <laughs> look at all the things we do growing up you know this cord has to be very strong Okay. 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 I'll go with it. Yeah. I believe you. But now he's got like other things, you know, that have evolved like stun guns. He probably has like um, a blowtorch, pocket blowtorch that he could just blow right through it. What about people who are trying to stop him from taking their soul? They might have a stun gun. Can they attack him? Yeah, they probably can. And how will that affect his ability to take them out? 
Well, he has no skin. He's a skeleton now, so <laughs> he's very skinny. Well, I know, but like Dracula, there's a way to kill him. Isn't there a way to kill the Grim Reaper? Well, I think that's why a lot of these people don't die. I think the Grim Reaper isn't really a stud. I think the minute they fight back, he's like, okay, I'll come back for you next year. So he's kind of a wimpy person. He kind, well, I don't know if he's a person at all, but I think he's a, he's, he's a wimpy supernatural entity. Yeah. Some people just say he's kind of neutral. He's not there to fight. He's just there to come on. I'm taking he, you over to the Everland. got his orders and yeah, he's just he's there to orders. fill his orders. Yeah. Hmm, interesting. So my next sighting is from a poster on Unexplained Mysteries. And he talks about an experience that his sister had of the Grim Reaper. One night, his sister woke up hearing noises like footsteps outside the hall from her bedroom. And when she called out to see who might be visiting her other sibling that late at night, there was, of course, no response. Hmm. So I guess her sister got a lot of action late at night. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, come on. Do you Another really one? have to like have these people over at like one in the morning? Another guy? Another, Another guy just one? left. Exactly. But as she lay there listening and watching the door, a six-foot hooded black-robed being entered her room, chanting in a language she couldn't recognize. Huh. She described feeling frozen in fear and, oddly enough, saw it float across the room when before she was hearing footsteps. That's an odd twist. Interesting. Okay. She described it coming around to her side of the bed and chanting each time ending with mama and saying it louder and louder. Ooh. And after she screamed for it to stop, it just disappeared. So see, like the minute you start fighting back against it, it's just like, okay, I'm out of here. Peace out. Yeah, you know what's really creepy, Holly? Some of these stories I read said that the Grim was obsessed also with feet fetish guy you know it would pull or play with the person's sleeping feet they say and so maybe it's just curious about us and that's why it sometimes gropes people because i hear that death because it's death it doesn't really have a gender so it's kind of wondering what our privates are for and it floats a lot so it might be you know it might be wanting feet or maybe hell just a manicure because let's face it the grim <laughs> has to make a lot of rounds yeah well it's like santa Grim Reaper? Well, yeah. I mean, he has to be in so many places. People dying everywhere. Like Santa. Don't you think there is more than one Grim Reaper, though? Okay, yes. Because remember that Netflix TV show I made you watch, Dead Like Me? Yeah. It's about people who are selected to become Grim Reapers after they pass on. How morbid of me to make you watch that on your birthday last year, Holly. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> way, to, way to make you uh, think about your own mortality. Would you become a Grim Reaper if given the opportunity? I think it'd be sad. I, I think, you don't I think do it's it. hard to be in hospice to help people make that transition. That's a hard job. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's also really rewarding because you're the person that Gets really them helps them... Just to see them have go. closure. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'd, I'd be torn up about it, but I think there might be multiple Grims or maybe ghosts that can sign up just to help out a little bit in the afterlife as a Grim, kind of like community service. You know, like what, let's say, you know, you're a ghost and maybe there's rules in the afterlife that you have to do some community service. And that's one of the roles. Oh. You get to be a Grim for a while. Huh. Okay. Yeah, I could see that. Well, in researching my story, I came across this news headline that was posted on May 1st, 2020 in Yahoo Sports of all places. <laughs> Yahoo. 
Yahoo. You know, who who uh, gets online on Yahoo anymore? I know. I was going to say, do you still use your AOL dial-up as no. well? <laughs> but, and like, everybody had Yahoo, and that's like, nobody has that anymore. I know. I know. Does AOL still exist? Yes, I think so. Oh, wow. Yeah. Remember, that was the only way to get onto the internet I back know. in the day. I know. And you get those little CDs in the mail, and you pop them into your okay, computer. Okay, we're aging ourselves. Let's <laughs> move on. Or the Grim Reaper's going to show up here any, any day minute. Now. So it appeared that a man dressed in a Grim Reaper costume was roaming the beaches in Florida as a way of scaring off crowds who were venturing out to seek freedom from their COVID lockdowns. <laughs> <laughs> so this creative stunt by lawyer Daniel Ufelder got so much publicity that he started raising money in order to hit the road and travel to other states nationwide. So, yeah, don't be scared if you see like a grim reaper in your neighborhood or or out playing in the park, because this could just be this lawyer that's, you know, making his rounds nationwide. That's a perfect time to dress like a grim reaper in the middle of a pandemic. I know. <laughs> now, he has a hood and a robe, but does he have a mask? That's what I want to yeah, exactly. know. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So I may also have had an encounter myself at a young age and not realized at the time it was the grim Really? So you ran into a Grim Reaper? You know, I'm always in the action. I'm always in the paranormal action, Holly. Yeah, I, bet. I know. So when I was in the eighth grade, my summer was spent at a music art summer school at Valparaiso University in Indiana. Indiana, Gary, Indiana. Yep, yep. I was supposed to focus my studies on music and live on campus and take occasional field trips to Chicago to visit the art museum and listen to the symphony. But for some reason that summer... I really liked my art classes, so I decided to ditch most of my music classes and spend more time painting. One night when I was in the art studio by myself working on my painting, I heard a faint whirring noise like the air conditioning coming on when it reached a certain temperature. Yeah. And it didn't phase me, except I remember starting to shiver, and then that made my hand unsteady, so I just had to give up at that point. The one light I had on suddenly flickered off like it was on a timer and I was just standing there in the dark realizing nobody was around in this building and I was all alone. Uh oh. <laughs> I also realized I had missed dinner by a lot. <laughs> it was getting very dark. Right. So I had to walk the path back to the dormitory all by myself in the fast approaching darkness. I quickly put everything away as best as I could, fumbling around and using just the light of the lamp lights that were shining outside through the window. And, uh, you know, the, you know, like walking paths, they would have like the lamps uh -huh. every few, right. few feet or whatever. So just as I was starting down the path walking at a very brisk pace, I noticed the same whirring noise and felt something brush by me. So this campus had some trees. And with it becoming darker, these shadowy areas were really messing with my mind. And I refused to look around. So as I continued walking, the lamps lining the path started flickering out as I walked by them. Oh, my God. Yeah, this made me extremely nervous. That's scary as hell. It was very scary. And I kind of didn't. I didn't really know my way back that well. So I was just like trying to remember, but it was getting darker and darker. Yeah. That kind of feeling like, oh God, I, I just got to get back. And as I came right around a corner, there was this looming figure about a yard in front of me. It was around seven or eight feet tall, wearing a dark cloak with a hood 
that came to a point in front of its face. And I couldn't see any feet or hands, nor its face. It was just this floating dark mass <laughs> up ahead. Creepy. So since it was blocking my path, I abruptly stopped and I tried to see if there might be a better path to take or a different option, but everything else was even more ominous to me like yeah. because I didn't want to get lost getting back to the main buildings. I was literally going to pee my pants. I was so scared and just tried to convince myself I was just scared of a shadow, not believing what I was seeing. And at that moment, a teacher had just come up from behind me on the same path and asked why I was not with the others inside. Huh. Caught me. Well, I told her I had lost track of time and was just working on my art project. This seemed to placate her, and she mentioned that everyone was heading into town to get milkshakes at the shop called Whitey's. Was and this a I dream? Would, no. <laughs> no. Uh, no, they would do that. They would they would take really? the kids to go get milkshakes, these awesome hand-spun milkshakes at this place called Whitey's, and they were really famous for their milkshakes. We had a similar restaurant chain here in Portland called Farrell's. But oh, yeah, that's right. I, I remember think, I Farrell's. Farrell's is out of business now. Yeah, it's too bad, too. It was so good. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so this seemed to placate her. And as she mentioned, everyone was heading into town to get milkshakes at this shop called Whitey's. And I would miss out if I didn't hurry back. So I agreed to hurry. And when I started down the path again, the figure was nowhere to be seen. Oh, Wow. So he just like, pooosh. Yeah. Know? Maybe he went to Whitey's too. Maybe he did. He was like, you know what? That sounds really, really good. I could haunt this woman or I could get a milkshake. I could, I think I'm going to get the milkshake. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, nobody will see me too because I'll be in the back of the truck <laughs> hiding. Later that summer, it was heard that one of the female faculty members had unexpectedly passed away. And at the time, I just briefly wondered if it was the lady who was walking the path right behind me. Oh, wow. But I also wondered if the Grim Reaper was warning me specifically about certain death if I kept running around in the dark at age 13 alone on a college campus. <laughs> He's probably some creepy frat guy. Yeah, so stay tuned for our next Halloween special episode. It is the, the wrap-up of our season. We will see you then. That's right. Take care, and remember, don't fear the reaper. <laughs> Baby, don't fear the reaper. It doesn't go like that, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah, he was creative. I mean, I would never have thought of putting them in a boiling pot of water. It was horrible. I mean, just, bleh. I wouldn't want to see that. How gross would that be? Right. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's just a way for him to. I think it's a form of entertainment. Back of... in those days, they had nothing else to do but eat and kill. That literally is all they had to do. But eat think of the dishes that they had to do afterwards. <laughs> well, maybe they didn't do Cleaning the dishes. The maybe they just threw them at the people boiling in the pot. Ew. It is said, in fact, that Stoker idolized Irvine. Irving or Irvine? Irving. <laughs> <laughs> And he did not die from passing it. Oh, fuck. He can turn other vampires. He can. Oh, my God. No, sir. No, sir. Famed German filmmaker Herner Werner. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry. He was great in speed. I mean, he was a sexy mofo in speed, in my opinion. Like, mm -hmm. man, he could save me from a bus all day long if he wanted to. As the flames die down, do remain.
all hitchhikers are ghosts and all dolls are definitely haunted. Hey guys, be sure to follow us on Instagram. Our handle is at Fireside Phantoms. If you have a spooky story you would like to share with us, send it to firesidephantoms at gmail.com and you may hear it on a future episode.